check one two one two. So, my brother Lance, we called it the Rugged Sixteen on our podcast title about two weeks or a week before the sixteen game march started. Uh, I believe, according to Dane Moore, Chris Finch called it the Death March. Is that what they called it? Nonetheless, they came out alive. It's over. <laughs> it is. Sorry, it's been that 16 games. This feels like we just talked about it yesterday. Nah, I think it, <laughs> it felt like it was before Christmas and New Year's. All that time flies fast for me. Oh, man. Well, that's because you're busy shaking and moving and doing things. Yeah. You know, when you're the man around town, <laughs> you know. Nah, in all seriousness, though, they, they came out alive, nine and seven. Uh, we talked about it. Eight and eight would be acceptable. Uh, very, very easily. Very easily could have been 11 and five. They let one slip away in Dallas. They let one slip away in Boston. Laid a bit of an egg at home against New Orleans. Get away with two of those three games. And 11-5 and puts the whole league on notice. Yeah, it does. Um, But we got to accept that it didn't happen. It didn't happen that way, did it? And unfortunately, with that not happening, it leads us to, you know, talk about some things. You know what did happen, though? What's that? They came home in first place. They're still here, and they got a big game tonight. That They're tied right now. If they lose a game, if they lose tonight, they're no longer in first place. So they made it through the stretch. Now they got to get this one to stay in, stay in first, and then we talked about it off podcast, how their schedule seems to be getting a little bit lighter and easier, um, which will help them stay in first place. But if they lose tonight, they're a half game out of first place. Well, I thank the fans uh, and the listeners and those who are supporting this Timberwolves team. Um, I think the game that they're most scared of mm. is not the game tonight, actually, which is the game I'm most <laughs> curious and afraid mm. of just because of how they match up. I think the game people are most afraid of is the game at Detroit. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, Detroit has lost, so we can't be the ones to – lose to them first but I mean I personally think that they're going to put the smack down on Detroit as they should but I can understand why people could be worried that they somehow find a way to lose to the Detroit Pistons I mean a lot of um, trauma (laughs) (laughs) a lot of past trauma Uh, Timberwolves fans are probably triggered by the Mm -hmm. idea Uh, you know the great late great uh, poet spoken word artist musician um, somebody who I consider to be the godfather of my craft, Gil Scott Heron, had a piece called We Almost Lost Detroit. I hope we don't almost lose <laughs> to Detroit. I hope we beat the brakes off of Detroit. Mm-hmm. You are tuned in to the Coach and the Culture podcast. Uh, we do this every week and every other week from the Dream Shop Studios, as we will call it, live at the Dream Shop, 3701 Fremont Avenue North. I am Coach Frank. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the owner-proprietor of Yes Trees, and also my son, the one and only Lance Gardner. And, of course, making us look good, making us sound good. The quiet man behind the camera is Lloyd Leon Coop, or Deuce Coop, as we like to call him, the super producer. Thank you for tuning in. Um, We have uh, gotten back to our regularly scheduled program. I listened to our last podcast, and if you managed to stay awake while listening to us, we appreciate you because I think we were half asleep while doing the podcast, and I almost didn't let it air. And I listened to it, and I said, you know what, Lloyd? 
The Timberwolves were sleeping to start the beginning of the year, having lost three out of four games, and we were a little bit sleepy, uh, hungover from the new year. Not festivities, but just the fact that we're getting old. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, but we are back full of energy and alive and uh, feeling good. You look good. I need a haircut. I look like a Sasquatch. <laughs> the roads are flipped. I told you, don't let me come on here with a haircut. I know. Well, it's okay. You're the young one. You're supposed <laughs> to look young and fly. You got your Jordan brand gear on, and I'm in my generic Old Navy gear, and I need a shave, <laughs> and I need a haircut. But, you know, once you turn 50, you just don't have to care as much Man. anymore. Well, if people have watched the podcast before, they know I don't care either. And I'm, <laughs> I'm only 27, so. <laughs> but what we do care about is Timberwolves being in first place, coming through the 16-game gauntlet, 9-7. and seven. Um, The last game that we talked about uh, was, uh, who was it, the loss to Dallas, right? Yeah. And uh, they were heading into Orlando, Boston, back-to-back. Uh, we talked about how even if they were to finish 8-8, eight and eight, it wouldn't quite feel as good had they lost five out of six games to end that stretch. Well, they end up losing four out of six games. Um, I did not realize at the time that we set up the week ahead that Orlando was going to be shorthanded. Uh, but nonetheless, Orlando has been a place where strange things happen to the Timberwolves, um, going all the way back to Cole Anthony's rookie year, hitting this crazy, miraculous three-point shot off a really piss-poor defense at the end of game by the Wolves, um, and then just going down there and I believe not doing well last year. It was either last year or the year before they got took behind the woodshed in a surprise. Um, and so... I was worried about the Orlando game, knowing that the chances of them winning the Boston game, I thought at the time, were really, really slim. Uh, Kudos to this year's Wolves team. I don't think we can always associate grit with Timberwolves teams, but and I don't think we can always associate professionalism with Timberwolves teams. Those two games, I thought that they showed a lot of grit and a lot of professionalism. They went down there and put Orlando in a Draymond Green chokehold from the opening <laughs> of the game. Yes, they did. And, um, you know, only let go when the officials, you know, <laughs> finally <laughs> blew the final whistle. You know, and they started to let go of the reins a little bit. It's really hard to play with a 30-point lead. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit about, too, the, the way they got to that 30-point lead required so much energy. Yes. Um, that, you know, they came out. You know, I felt like, you know, on our last podcast, I had stated that I really thought that Orlando was going to be in trouble just by the attitude that, that the team, did. that the Wolves had leaving that um, Mavericks game. Um, and so when you come out that fired up and that aggressive, um, you know, that's hard to sustain especially when you you know they kept their starters in for the majority of that game so yeah. um you know first half holding a team to I think they had them like 38 points or something like that in a half which is just absurd um and so second half yeah you're not going to be able to do that for a whole game um especially this time of year now if you're talking playoff times yeah you're going to find a way to do it but yeah. this early in the year when the games only mean so much you're not going to stress yourself a whole nother half of playing ball like that yeah i think the only concern you know really with that game was that people wanted to see and i, and I think it would have been nice to see them be able to not have to play their starters or bring them back late third quarter fourth mm-hmm. quarter and to be able to let some of those guys get some rest, whether or not that played a role in Mike and Rudy playing in Boston or not playing in Boston. Who knows? I kind of feel like that decision was already made before the Orlando game. And unless maybe they had lost the Orlando game, then I can see maybe a decision would have been made 
for them to um, play Mike and Rudy. But once the game kind of transpired the way it did, um, I think the decision was kind of made that they weren't going to play those guys. Um, the biggest thing I take away from the Orlando game is what we left off talking about and at the end of the Dallas game, which is Jade McDaniels. And, you know, back-to-back episodes of the Coach in the Culture podcast had Jade McDaniels mentioned in the title, right? It was uh, two shows ago was Here Comes Slim Mac, right? <laughs> because he was balling. I think you had mentioned on that episode he was going through a stretch where he was averaging 18 points a game. I think he was getting around four rebounds a game, and the Timberwolves had started off that 16-game stretch with a bang. They, they were winning games. They were balling out. He was balling out, and everything, spirits were high. Right. And then we come into um, the last episode and, and I believe it was it's Jaden for better and for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you look at the barometer of the Timberwolves and how they're playing from an energy standpoint, um, especially when it comes to rebounding. Uh, getting out in transition, pushing the ball, running the floor. When Jaden McDaniels is that guy, uh, the Timberwolves, I think, are almost unbeatable. You know, that if if Ant's playing to Ant average capabilities, Cat's playing to Cat average capabilities, I don't think you can undersell the consistency that Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert have brought to the floor night in and night out. You know, I think maybe you can say each of those two guys have had maybe two bad games all season. Right. You know, um, Jaden McDaniels is that X factor. And early in that Orlando game in the first quarter, there was a rebound that wasn't above the rim rebound. It was a everybody got to fight for it rebound. And he got his hands in there, and he's grappling, and everybody's snatching at the ball, and he rips it out of there and comes out of there with the mm-hmm. ball. And uh, I said, okay, don't tell me he can't do it. I am so <laughs> tired of people on Twitter talking about what he can't do. Oh, he's guarding a point of attack. You can't expect him to rebound. Oh, you can't expect him to go in and get offensive rebounds when the team struggles, defensive rebounding, and, you know, uh, getting back on defense. And, oh, he can't, oh, he can't look here. I'm not trying to hear those excuses. We don't accept it from our high school players. Do your job. Everybody's job is to rebound. Everybody's job is to defend. Yes, he has a premier defensive role. But you mentioned it on the last podcast. When you are active, when you are engaged, the ball tends to find the bottom of the net for you. You tend to find your way into the right places. Those rebounds tend to bounce your direction when you're moving to where the rebound might bounce. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, all of a sudden, 15 points and ties a season high with nine rebounds. And I don't think that the way he started that game, along with, yes, Cat was excellent early. Rudy was excellent. Everybody except for Ant, really. And Ant had a couple, you know, I think out of his six points, I think four of them came early in the game. But Jaden McDaniel set the tone for that game with his energy and his life. Yep. Um, Marty Gellner, who was guest uh, commentating on the podcast, mentioned that he had four rebounds in the first quarter, and that was a season high for rebounds for him in any quarter. Mm-hmm. You think it's any coincidence Jaden McDaniels has four rebounds in the first quarter and the Timberwolves are up by damn near 20 at the end of the first quarter? 
Not whatsoever. Um, and we, you know, I talked about it with the someone's got a light of fire under him, and I didn't know who it was going to be. And we still, you know, you said that you heard that Chris Finch might have been that catalyst, but somebody did it. Um, and you could just tell the difference. You could tell that, you know, he had nine rebounds. That's <laughs> he averages two. I mean, that's that's. That's four times as many rebounds as the averages. I mean, he was doing the things, and he still only – he didn't score 20 points. He still had under 20 points. But 15 is fine. I, I talked about it. I said anywhere from 15 to 20. You know, on a hot night, 20, but on, on, a, on a floor night, mm-hmm. he's got to be – you know, on a floor night, we'll take 13. But that average – he's got to average that out to 15. And don't tell me he doesn't get enough usage. Don't tell me he doesn't get enough shots. Don't tell me there's not enough balls to go around. You can't tell me that when you're averaging two rebounds a game and you have his athleticism. Like if he was throws. averaging five, six rebounds a game and and – three to four free throw attempts a game and he was only averaging 13 to 14 then you can point at other factors and say usage is low there's not enough balls to go around so on so forth but even in the Orlando game what did you see him do rip defensive rebounds down and initiate fast breaks Mm -hmm. even if he wasn't the one to score at the end of it and he did that in the first quarter and he did that in the fourth quarter so I don't want to hear anybody else on Twitter tell me this man they can't do it. The key for him now is can we do it consistently? And if he can do that consistently, at this point in time, I don't even care if he doesn't do it consistently during the regular season. But from the last 10 games of the season until the playoff run ends, if he can do that consistently, give us 15 and 5 just on effort, energy, activity, mm-hmm. intensity, and focus. I am willing to bet that if he gives us that, that that team ends up in the Western Conference Finals and that series goes at least six, seven games and it's all bets off from there. It's anybody's game. But if you want to see the Timberwolves playing a game six and a game seven in the Western Conference Finals, then you guys need to jump on this bandwagon of Jaden McDaniels has to be consistent for that in stretch of giving us 15 and five as a floor. Yep. He's, he is an X factor in, in this in this Wolf system, and he has to. You know, we the Celtics game we just watched. Every single person on the team did their job. Had he scored fifteen points, had he scored twelve points, had he got five rebounds, the game would not have come down to overtime. It wouldn't have come down to you know the Timberwolves lacking their. Um, you know, they're, they're lacking their maturity and, and seeing that youth in their team because it wouldn't have come to that. They would have had a seven, eight, nine point lead to end the game all off of him knocking down two extra shots, making I mean, two threes. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, we're going to get to the Boston game last. Obviously, it's the uh, – uh, um, well, not last because I guess we'll spend 35 seconds on the Portland game. But we're going to spend a lot of time on the Boston game when we get there – um, because they did have a nine-point lead with three minutes to go and a seven-point lead with two minutes to go. But, you know, the 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 final nail in the coffin was, you know, the the Anthony Edwards turnover that led to the Jaden McDaniels sixth foul, you know. So, it, so we'll get to that. But, but if Jaden knocks down those, let's say, let's say, okay, Boston to end the game goes on a 12-4 to four run, right? They still, they still, right, because they're going to be down 18 points. They're going to be down 15 points to where now we're not even in that position. Yeah, they might knock a couple buckets down late. But if he, if he makes two of the, I think he took six, 0 for 6 that game from three or something like that. 
Um, just yeah, we'll, we'll look it up. I'm, I'm, I haven't even got to the Boston game yet. I'm just talking oh, about Jaden alone, though. Like he's he's he costing he's costing games when he's not doing the. Yeah, he was one for four from three, two for eight. But more importantly, you know, he only plays 24 minutes. He fouls out in 24 minutes, and as out of the starters, he's a you know a high minus 12 in that game out of the starters. And, but we're we're gonna we, yeah. I, I want to finish your Orlando game because there's a lot to unpack on the Boston game, a lot to unpack. So they go into Orlando, they do their thing, they get weather stranded in Orlando. Um, a lot of people have made. Um, a big deal about them having to fly to Boston uh, same day as game day. Um, I guess the only nice thing about that situation, uh, you know, if you can find one positive, is at least there's not a time zone change. Right. Uh, so at least at least that aspect, you know, plays into it. And I want to say Chris Finch has been coaching his ass off and every time they lose it's Chris Finch's fault I mean <laughs> again we're gonna get to the Boston game and talk about what I had to discuss with people on Twitter about the offensive rebound on the free throw but um from what I understand Chris Finch has some choice words for the guys at the, in the locker room after the Dallas game um, a game in which they shat the bed down the stretch. Their end-of-game offense wasn't good and wasn't particularly good end-of-game offense. Turnovers, uh, lots of holding the ball, um, just mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about cats and miss, miss threes, which, you know, it's a bit of a make-or-miss league, but it was the things that led up to that that even put them in that situation where he had to hit, shoot those in the first place. And then – you know, you, you go to Orlando and you respond to the coach. And clearly Jaden McDaniels responded to the coach, right? Uh, and then you have this tough travel situation. And, and from what I've heard listening to the Dane Moore podcast, NBA podcast, was that uh, Chris Finch, uh, I, I remember if it was him or Flagrant House, but from what I heard, Chris, Flint, Chris Finch basically said that, you know, if you guys want to mail it in against Boston, you got nobody, nobody will blame you. You got all the excuses in the world. You can, you know, the flight, the back to back, number one team in the East. You can go out there and do a Phoenix, you know, like they did against Phoenix and go out there and lay an egg. But from what I understand, he challenged them to go out there and play with grit and play with maturity and to play with professionalism and to not buy into any of the excuses and strap them up tight and go play a basketball game. And boy, did they do that. I mean, outcome aside, what a basketball game. Yeah. I mean, you talk about shot making, you talk about defense, you talk about two teams that I feel represented the best in the West and the best in the East. Both of them missing starters, Boston missing Porzingis, Minnesota missing, you know, Gobert and Conley. And I'd venture to say that missing Conley in that game was a bigger miss than Gobert, especially if Porzingis isn't going to play. That kind of cancels out. But you know, I, I call him I call him the head of the Jedi Council for a reason. Yeah. You know, I call him Jedi Jedi Master Mike. And um, down the stretch of his that game, in my opinion, as good as Nikhil played, and with the big shots he made in that fourth quarter and ten fourth quarter points, in my opinion, you don't lose that game with a nine point lead with three minutes to go and a seven point lead with two minutes to go if Jedi Master Mike is at the controls. Mm-hmm. But I digress. That was about as fearless and gritty and gutsy an effort as you've seen from this Timberwolves team. 
I think they caught Boston by surprise. I think maybe Boston bought into the, we're probably not going to see the best of them. They're not playing a couple guys. Nikhil played like a man on a mission. Kyle Anderson played like he was back at home playing the power forward spot as opposed to the small forward spot. Cat played like a man who had some get back after how poorly he played in target center against Boston. And um, for the first 45 minutes of that game during his time on the floor, Anthony Edwards was really good. And then Boston did what I feel like Dallas did. They superstar veteran playoff experience, Brawl beat them boys in the last three minutes in overtime. They took complete advantage of a 24-year-old Nikhil Alexander-Walker's mistakes, a 23-year-old Jaden McDaniel's mistakes, and a 22-year-old Anthony Edwards' mistakes and unwillingness to understand the difference between being the hero by making winning shots versus being the hero by making winning plays. Um, and, you know, kudos to Boston, kudos to Tatum and Brown and Drew Holiday and Derek White and Al Horford and those guys that have been in finals, those guys that have won finals in Holiday. Um, you know, they veteran balled them. Yeah, they were never flustered. Um, never panicked. There was a couple of times where I had told you that Jason Tatum was at the free throw line and he looked over at Drew Holiday and within – three seconds they had already had their whole game plan figured out without you know no huffing and puffing no running around no just look at you you look at me just to play we run and all right let's go get it done and I don't think the Timberwolves are quite there yet in that scenario I think they're still looking at one another looking at the coach looking at this looking at that trying to figure out the score trying to figure out the game clock all those things that you get with a team that doesn't have that experience and I just watched Boston and they did the exact opposite they didn't you know, there was no panic, no nothing, and they just kept it pushing and made shots when they needed to make shots and made the plays. Yeah. And that's a championship caliber team. Yeah. And they're going to be there. There's no doubt about it. That team is going to, they're going to have a strong possibility of, of representing the East in the, in the NBA Finals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they, you know, they just, the Wolves got big time down the stretch. They got big time by Luka and Kyrie down the stretch. They got big time by Boston mm-hmm. down the stretch. You look at the offensive foul. On the kill, and you know, people can say, "Well, Tatum got away with a similar push off." But either way, by letter of the law, that's an offensive foul, and it was just unnecessary. Like, I mean, he 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 went out of his way to run into Drew Holiday, and it just it wasn't necessary. And then you look, and then of course the the big play, the offensive rebound, and you know, for those of you who haven't played, what you don't hear is the audio, and this is my guess as to what happened. My guess is Nikhil Alexander did his job by saying, I got shooter. And um, once Derek White heard that, he knew there was nobody there to box him out. Anthony Edwards was being 22, <laughs> standing and watching the play, as opposed to diving down into the box when the shot went up. And Jaden McDaniels, of the one rebound that entire game, did not force his way to the middle of the floor where he should have went. He didn't really pinch either. People were saying that, you know, maybe his assignment was to pinch with Cat. First off, you should never have to pinch with Cat against Al Horford. That's Cat's responsibility to hold that box out. Your job is to pinch the middle of the floor, which means you create a triangle where you have 
you're in the middle of the floor, a triangle to cat on one block. And I want to say it was Kyle on the other block. Um, and therefore you close off that triangle. You have all three spots contained. Well, Jaden McDaniels was late and um, he really didn't actually try to move with any urgency until Derek White had already penetrated, you know, across the free throw line. And then when he did try to move, Al Horford did a veteran hook job on him and locked him in. But it wouldn't have mattered because Derek White was going to get that rebound anyway. And so in that situation, they took advantage of the 22-year-old and the 23-year-old not being – not having the sense of urgency that the moment demanded. Um, And you mix that with, you know, Jaden McDaniels was in foul trouble most of the night. He tends to lose his focus when he's in foul trouble. Anthony Edwards was turning the ball over. He was being double teamed. Um, And he tends to lose his focus when he's struggling down the stretch of games. And instead of having that next play mentality, and not taking it for granted that the free throw was going to be made by Tatum and not taking it for granted that if it was missed, your team was going to get the rebound. Um, they took those things for granted, like young players tend to do. And they got they got veteran ball. Derek White heard the kill Alexander Walker say, I got a shooter, and he knew that was his runway, and nobody got in the way. And that's young players doing young things, and between Jaden's decisions down the stretch and Ant's turnovers down the stretch and his unwillingness to give the ball up when the double team is coming his way. Um, the 22-year-old and the 23-year-old learned a very valuable lesson in a playoff-style atmosphere against a team that has championship aspirations. And you rather they learn that lesson in January than to learn that lesson in the NBA Finals if that were to be the, that's the only way they would play Boston right. um, in January. In, yeah, I I would add to that though that that's the youth and and the superstar mentality. Yeah, um, yeah. because you see KD, do, I see KD KD do that a lot. Phenomenal defensive player, but like those moments where you got someone like Derek White who makes his money by doing things like that. Yes, by going to get those extra plays or yes. those balls. The superstars oftentimes don't have that same mentality that every single possession matters because they're looking okay. Because we're gonna, we're gonna get this rebound. I'm gonna go down there. I'm gonna get the ball. How am I gonna? They're thinking, how am I gonna score and put us ahead the next possession? Right. Instead of focusing on in that exact moment. Right. So it's a youth thing, but it also is just. And you say, hopefully they learn it now. Yes, but I've also seen superstars that just that's just their mentality, and it costs you games. It absolutely costs you games when that happens. And the greats, the real, the great, 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 great ones that we talk about forever. I feel like make those plays yeah they get to a point when where when it truly matters and granted this is still the regular season so hopefully like you said come playoff come postseason time they're locked into the point where nobody's that's not happening right um but that's i've I've seen it happen with everybody yeah um and and so it's 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 a borderline you know i'm too good for that type of thing and and yeah, I mean, and you know, let's be honest. Jaden McDaniels is not superstar status yet. No. Anthony Edwards is not quite yet superstar status. He's close in his mind. But, he is. but he, I get, I well, and that's, and that's so that that goes. So that leads me to another piece. And this is AU culture. This is youth basketball culture in America. This is young people. I coach a star player at the high school level, and I swear the the uh, 
the parallels between him at the high school level and Anthony Edwards at the pro level, uh, you, you, you would not believe how many parallels that, that I'm sure if Chris Finch and I sat down and talked about Anthony Edwards and we talked about this young man that I have in mind, Chris Finch would be like, yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's what it's like when you're coaching a prodigy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, they were mentioning, I, you know, I, I had seen some mentions about how, the ultimate respect Boston played to Anthony Edwards was how they were just going to double team him without a screen and roll, without a blitz or a trap off of a screen and roll. They were just going to double team him to get the ball out of his hands. Yeah. As soon as he came across half court and his unwillingness, his reluctance to give the ball up. And I look at that differently as a coach. I don't think that's the ultimate sign of respect. I think that's the ultimate sign of disrespect Mm -hmm. because you only do that to a player that you know mentally is going to make the wrong decision. You only do that to a player that you know mentally is going to break down out of their own stubbornness, right? You didn't see teams run double teams at Michael Jordan when he came across half court just to get the ball out of his hands. You just didn't see it. Why didn't you see it? Because they know Michael Jordan was just going to give the ball up. And the ball was going to move around. And they know the Bulls teams were, if we got an uncontested layup, we were going to take it. If not, we were going to move the ball around. And Michael was going to work off the ball. And then with nine seconds left on the shot clock, he was going to cut into the mid-post area. And they were going to give him the ball. And now you can't come double-team him. Because if you do, you are leaving a – he's going to make the pass for the shot. You know, I, the, the the way I like – the way I like to compare it is we remember Michael Jordan, you know, in all the game winning shots, you never saw guys running a double team at him, if, you know, or very, 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 very rarely. I like to think of the double nickel game, 55 in the garden, coming back off of retirement. Everybody remembers the double nickel, the 55 in the garden. What very few people remember was that was a, one possession game down the stretch. The Bulls got the ball. Michael Jordan's going into his bag, and New York runs a double team at him. And he drops it off to Bill Winnington for an uncontested dunk to seal the game. That's why you didn't go run double teams at Michael Jordan, because there's a difference between making the winning shot and making the winning play. And Boston knows that Anthony Edwards' youth and desire to do it all on his own they know that he is not going to be disciplined enough to do the winning things to make the winning play because he so much wants to make the winning shot. And to me, that's a disrespect. Anybody, somebody is challenging your intellect, that's more disrespectful than somebody challenging your skill. And that's where Anthony Edwards has got to grow. And I said it to John Krasinski in the preseason podcast, and I've said it in our preseason podcast on this particular show. For as great as Anthony Edwards is as a skilled basketball player, he still has not won a high-level anything in the game of basketball. Winning is a skill in and of itself, and he's learning that skill. And I feel like the Boston game was a huge lesson in his growth and learning the skill of winning. And I hope we're having this conversation in May and June where we can look back at this game and say that play that he didn't make then, he's made that play in games four, five, and six of whatever series we're in, and that's why the Timberwolves are moving on. Mm-hmm. And I've, 
you know, you talk about Jordan in those situations, and there's there's players today. There's Luca. There's even LeBron. You know, these these are players where you ne- you don't see teams just sending the whole force at you to get the ball out of your hands. No, they're gonna make the they're right gonna game. make the right play, and they're probably you know, like we talked about, unless the the team around them no- has an open <laughs> shot or has a shot that they feel extremely comfortable taking, mm-hmm. they're going to get the ball back to them at the end of shot clock, and yes. now you have one on one. And you can't, you don't got time to send two guys and leave someone wide open. So, um, you know, there's, I say that just because not everyone got to see Michael Jordan play. Right. Not everyone knows the game you're talking about. But if you want to see how they treat high call, high caliber players at end of games, watch LeBron, watch Luka, watch Kyrie, watch KD. You, they don't just fly at you with two guys. Well, and, and, and I, I'll, I'll give you the perfect example, the game we're talking about. So we talked about the offensive rebound. The shot clock resets to 14, short clock, right? Yeah. What happens? They go to Jason Tatum on an isolation against Nikhil Alexander-Walker. What happens? No screen comes. Kyle Anderson just leaves and goes in double teams. What does Jason Tatum do? Kicks it to Al Horford with plenty time left on still a short clock. He puts Carl Anthony Towns in a box. Do I go to Al Horford? Do I go to the corner to Drew Holiday? Al Horford has time to bait Carl Anthony Towns into an extended stunt and still kick it to Drew Holiday wide open for the corner three. That doesn't happen if Jason Tatum sits on that ball because he doesn't want to give it up, right? And so um, if you want to know the difference between where Anthony Edwards is at right now in his progression and where Jason Tatum is at in his progression, there it is right there. But we're also talking about, you know, Jason Tatum – I believe was 21 years old when Boston made their first kind of deep playoff run with this, you know, with him and Brown and, um, and he was doing phenomenal things. You know, that was kind of his introduction to the big stage. Those reps in the pressure cooker is what gives both him and Jalen Brown. The comfort doesn't hurt when you're passing Drew Holiday and Al Horford, you know, but, it, it, you know, you, you got some, you got some Carl Anthony Towns out there on the floor. You know, you got a hot ten point in the quarter to kill Alexander Walker out there on the floor. You got a Kyle Anderson playing maybe the best game he's played all season out there on the floor. So, you know, you got some guys out there that you have to trust in. But that's just the growth and evolution. And um, and and so, you know, Ant's going to get there. Uh, he's not there yet, but he's going to get there, and he's going to get there because he's in these moments. Yep. And he's, you know, there there are games at the end of games this year where he has made he's, the right. That's play. right. Um, but but with that, I feel like the majority of those plays that he has made that were the right plays at the last second where he threw it out to somebody, mm-hmm. uh, i.e., Mike Conley, mm-hmm. time and time again for an open three. Um, most of that stuff was off the dribble. And, and he still exhausted every possible opportunity right. to get exactly. a shot off. It exactly. wasn't a, I want to pass. It was a I have to pass. And then I'm good enough to, at the last second, make yeah. that pass. My skill in athleticism um, creates that for me as opposed to I'm manipulating to create mm-hmm. that. And that that's something that is a beautiful thing but can also get you in trouble because you start to rely on that. Yeah. You start to rely on, okay, I can, I know I can break you down. I'm going to look to score, and I'm confident enough that if I can, I'm, right. I'm going to find somebody. Like, Last-minute decision, I'll figure just it like out. I'm just like that. I'm just that good, right? <laughs> um, and so teams have realized Anthony Edwards is that good. Like, right. We cannot just let him go one-on-one and expect something good to come out of that because he's going to make the right decision if there's not too much pressure on him. Right. So we get – and even with – let me not say with – much pressure, but um, leaving Anthony Edwards one on one with anybody is not a good solution. They're attacking his mind. I mean, Boston, right. 
they attacked his mind. And when I say his mind, that's not to say that he's not smart. They attacked his thought process. Yeah. They attacked his, his desire to his, his youth. youth. Exactly. They his attacked youth. his desire to be the man, not understanding that you're the man when you create the bucket for the mm-hmm. team, even if you're not the one who makes the bucket for the team. Mm-hmm. Or trust that if you do give it up early and then move without the ball, that your team is going to come back to you with it because your team knows you're the man. Mm-hmm. You know, and Steph Curry did a lot of that and won a lot of championships doing that exact thing. So... Um, you know, if he can, if he can learn from him um, in that in that exact instance, because that's what he did. I mean, yeah. Steph still does it to this day. He very rarely you just see him holding the ball, and and that's another thing that really that really irked me with the Celtics game. The possessions we're talking about, the real the the one possession we're talking about to end the game. Um, you know, you're down by one. You bring the ball up to four. There's 18 seconds left on the clock, and you're standing there doing nothing like you are trying to take the last shot because you don't want to give up the ball right and that's just that's something so plain and simple as a basketball player when you're down and the clock is ticking and you're under 30 seconds or something like that you are trying to get as many shots and possessions as possible you're not trying to hold the ball for the last shot because you get one shot then if you make her make her go home and so that's just so evident that his mindset was i want to be the hero yeah i want to take this last shot and i want to end the game right versus Get the ball up the court, swing it, move around, try to get a layup. If nothing's there, okay, now you got the last shot. You're talking about the play in overtime where he where he dribbled out the clock. And Chris Finch mentioned that he brought that up as well. It's like, you know, you can't dribble out the clock and then you get double teamed and we don't even have enough time to to create anything on the backside because you dribbled out the clock. You know, and and yeah, that's just that I don't want to give this basketball up. Mm -hmm. Bro, you gotta give it up sometime. Mm -hmm. Um we're not going to be here too long today. So, so they lose to Boston in heartbreaking fashion, but gutsy and gritty fashion. They come back home, and this year they have done a really good job of not playing with their food. Mm-hmm. And Portland, coming off of a 62-point loss uh, to Oklahoma City, comes in here reeling. And they jump on them right out the gate, 20-point lead at the end of the first quarter. And the true quintessential definition of we're not going to play with our food. And Portland was never even a threat after that, right? And and so that leads us into kind of foreshadowing of what's coming up, right? What they have in the schedule coming up in terms of you mentioned it that somebody had said they have the easiest strength of schedule. Uh, the rest of the way, and it's kind of like, you know, some subpar teams, tough team. Subpar teams, tough team. You know, they got some stretches where they, you know, play, you know, two tough teams and one decent team on a five-game road trip, but then they end the last two games. I think one of them is two straight against Utah, and another one I think is two straight against Portland, where it's kind of like, you know, we win one out of the three against the tough slash in the middle of the pack team on the road, but then we get a chance to walk, come back with a three and two road trip by not playing with our food, right? right? Be- beating up on the guys that, that you can beat up on, kind of being, being a bully. And when you play, when defense is your staple, it's, you're a lot less likely to get upset by bad teams when you take a defensive mentality into those games. And so, you know, they had the right approach against Portland from the beginning, 
Portland's never really in that game. Um, you got a chance to play some guys low minutes, um, which I think is important. I know that they listed Anthony Edwards questionable for tonight with the bruised knee. Um, Mike and Rudy got a chance to play low minutes against Portland. Um, the fact that Mike and Rudy played that game tells you Chris Finch's attitude. Mm-hmm. Let's go out there and put these guys away early, and then you get your rust on the back end. Um, and so, you know, now we, we go into a stretch where you got you got the Clippers tonight. And then you got to go, you know, that, that super scary game at Detroit, <laughs> you know. And then, and then you come back here and you got a game against Oklahoma City coming up, you know, after, after, after a home game against Memphis. So, you know, you go to Detroit, you come home against a Memphis team with no Marcus Smart. Looks like there's, you know, obviously no John Morant. And it looks like there's um, um, uh, uh, ter- Tyrannosaurus arms. Um, Jackson? No, no, the, the the guard. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? The shooter. Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, thank you. I call him Tyrannosaurus Arms. <laughs> uh Desmond Bain is gonna be out as well. So, you know, if you if you play well tonight, you hold your home court, you send a message to the Clippers that it might not on paper be a good matchup, but you don't care. You're gonna go out there and you're gonna big ball him. This is a great test of Finch's big ball philosophy. Uh you get a win tonight. You don't mess around with Detroit. You don't mess around with Memphis. And you very well could be playing uh, another statement game at home against Oklahoma City uh, with first place on the line uh, coming up. So Yeah, and these, you know, the, you talked about the, <clears throat> the remaining schedule and, you know, not playing the best teams can be bad, but it also can be good. Um, and I think that the Timberwolves defense is – when they're committed to going out there and playing defense, they know how to play defense. Yeah. They're, they can do it against anybody. Yeah. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic, they both, all four of them went off against us. Um, and we should have won both of those games. And we still should have won both of those games. And I also think that in a seven-game series, you're they're not shooting 60% from the field in a seven-game series. So, yep, they had their games – Yep, they 70 points between two people in both of those games. I don't think that's going to withstand over a seven-game series when the Timberwolves are throwing that much at you. I think that in those games, those players understood that they had to do what they did for them to win. Yeah, I think the Timberwolves are that good that if Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown don't go for 70 points apiece, you don't win those games. I agree. And so... I think that they're good enough to do it, and so that's what they that's what they did. I don't think that's that's feasible over seven game series. And so, um, where I'm going with this is, as we're playing some of these lower caliber teams, the Wolves' offense, as I talked to you about, is what's been shaky. Mm-hmm. Right, with the whole starting of the season, we talked about their system, their style, how they were mm-hmm. winning games, what they were doing. That started with defense. Their offense wasn't terrible; it wasn't bad, but we knew it had another level to it. Um, I think that as you're playing some of these lower caliber teams, you start to kind of get a flow in that offense. You start to score some points. You start to feel a little bit better about yourself. Um, and that's, you know, as we end the year, I think that that could be huge for the Wolves as long as they keep that defensive, you know, I don't want to call it a switch, but it seems like that's what they have right now. Their defense seems to be a switch. 
they decide we're going to play defense tonight or we're going to – and it just happens. That's how talented they are defensively. Um, but over the stretch to, to, you know, the second half of the year here, I think that playing some lower quality teams can really lead to them finding some type of offensive flow and scoring more points, which is going to propel them um, into the playoffs. And, and hopefully by that time the offense isn't shaky and they seem to have a flow and they know what guys – you know, where they're going to be when they need to be there – um, and that, you know, if they can figure that out with their defense, they're, they're already a problem. But again, Mike Conley said it. He said there's a whole nother level of offense that this team has not touched yet. Well, I think that tonight is going to be a good challenge. Um, I think that the two teams, well, the three teams that scare me the most in the Western Conference for the Timberwolves are the Pelicans because they've already proven mm-hmm. that you know that combination of CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion um, with with Big Z, Big V, uh, Valanciunas mm-hmm. is a problem. Um, the Clippers, Harden, Westbrook, Powell, uh, Paul, George. Paul George, Kawhi. Um, that's a lot of firepower. And, they still have Zubac. And, and Zubac, yep. And that's a lot of firepower, and they can do it on both sides of the ball. Um, that team I scares think they're me. Personally, they're playing the best basketball in the league right they, now. They so. are, and they, and they have some of the best personnel playing the best basketball, which is why I can't wait to get down there to Target Center and watch this game tonight. And then other team that scares me is Phoenix because Devin Booker gives Anthony Edwards fits, and KD is KD. Um, and then Bradley Beal is just a bad matchup for Mike Conley. So if they're all healthy, they're scary. Those are the three teams that scare me um, because those are the three teams that I think have players that can circumvent good defense no matter how good it is. So this will be an interesting storyline to follow um, tonight, and we'll definitely be talking about it on next week's podcast. Let's uh, let's transfer to Concerning Trends and hope it never ends and get out of here, man. Let's do it. All right. Uh, so Concerning Trends for our first place still, mm-hmm. 27 and 11, Minnesota Timberwolves, um, and and we're going to kind of double them up a little bit uh, because we have a lot of um, similar concerning trends, and I think where we want to start um, is that the inconsistency of Jaden McDaniels. Yep, 100%. Um, you know, and he's the barometer. Chris Finch said it. Jaden McDaniels is kind of the barometer of our offense. Um and for a number of reasons, he's indicative of whether or not the ball's moving, but also I think he's indicative of whether or not they are getting out in transition because when he rebounds, he's a one-man break starter. And he doesn't, you know, he's averaging two rebounds a game, but lo and behold, he goes out and gets four rebounds in the quarter and they beat the brakes off of uh, Orlando. So, um, you know, and then he comes back against Boston and has one rebound, including not being in position to get the key rebound that gave, would have given them an opportunity to have the ball with a one-point lead with, you know, under 40 seconds left to ice, potentially ice the game. Yep. Completely so, different games from him in two different nights. I mean, yeah. back-to-back, one time. It's, you know, I've, I've, been that, I've been that player before where if someone, if, if whatever reason that fire was lit for me that game, my activity was higher, every, my, my energy, my communication, everything was just higher. And then just me personally, who I am as a mellow, calm, relaxed person, it usually took something or somebody to bring that out of me. And then when it was there, it was there. And then it doing it, you know, at times it faded away. And that's where I see that with Jaden. I see like you, you know, you just don't know. You don't know what you're going to get 
And but when right. you get when you get what you know you can out of him, it's it's like night yo, day. how are you not doing this every night? night but day. at the same time, I sit here and say personally, that's just I'm a mellow, calm person. He could be the same thing where it's just like I'm just that good at basketball, but I I just can't wake up every day and just be like <laughs> I'm gonna go get ten rebounds and fifteen points. Like it could just be that, and the, we won't know that until you know. It's an Andrew Wiggins thing, right? Sometimes you just have to be in the right system. You have to be in the right place. Or you so, just got to be past 23. You and do. You, you know, you and Jaden do have a lot of similarities as far as your on-court demeanor. I, I will say I, that. I see much. it. I yes. see it a lot. Yes. Bro. So, But he, he's very he's, – he's talented and hopefully, you know, he's the X factor. He's he's that difference maker for championship versus just making it a couple, you know, around into the playoffs. He is that good, that that – effective when he is doing his thing and just need it for eight weeks mm-hmm. um all right uh the next concerning trend is turnovers still they are 27th in the league in turnover um turnovers per game they rank 27th in the league at 15.3 turnovers per game we would not we, we don't want 15 turnovers a game out of our high school team that's far too many um the main culprits unfortunately far too often are ant and cat especially ant lately um five rebound games have become way too commonplace for him kyle's having a really high turnover year off the bench five, for the amount of minutes he game. plays you said rebounds, I'm, but five five turn yes five turnover games are becoming I'm sorry, I'm becoming too commonplace for Ant lately. And they're just too bad. They're bad turnovers. Many of them are unnecessary turnovers, and many of them are the result of him just not wanting to give the basketball up, dribbling into traffic. Um, yes, he gets his arms grabbed a lot. He gets raked a lot. He's also around three people a lot. Sometimes it's just hard for the ref to see through all of that traffic. Sometimes it's just NBA officiating. Sometimes I think it's just karma. Stop putting yourself in a bad position and bad things won't happen to you. That's what Uh, I think it is the the most of because even the refs, I mean, they're they're looking at – they're watching the game like, what did you think you were doing driving (laughs) You want us to bail you out, right? (laughs) So, um, you know, and Cat, the last five games, his turnovers have been way down. Um, By the way, Cat's been phenomenal the last five games. We'll get to that and hope it never ends. But um, they've got, you know, the reason they are 20th in the league in offense is because they are 27th in the league in turnovers. It's that simple. It's that simple. Get rid of five turnovers a game, and that's five more possessions a game. If you score on three of those, that's six more points a game, and you go from 20th in the league in offense to probably like 12th or 13th, and so start there. Then imagine getting – Eight more points out of Chase McDaniels. Right. Now exactly. you're in the top five. Now you're, now you're top, at least a top ten offense, right? If, if you can get Jaden McDaniels rebounds up to five, you know, and his points up to 15 to 16, 17, and you get your turnovers down to 10, you're a top ten offense. And if you're a top ten offense and the number one defense, you're probably a finals, you're probably a finals threat. Yep. Um, and then, uh, this kind of bleeds into that, uh, but my next concerning trend um, is the end-of-game offense against elite opponents. They're still really good in crunch time ranking. They're still really good in crunch time offense. But when you have to do it all right against Tatum and Brown, against Kyrie and Luka, we're going to find out tonight against Harden and Kawhi and PG. When you have to do it all right. Yep. When you can't have the bad offensive possessions down the stretch of a close game because the other team has veteran playoff 
finals, in some cases, battle-tested superstar players, you can't have bad end-of-game possessions. And so they've either played a lot of teams that have been missing their star or they've played a lot of teams they're just better better than. But these last two games against those elite stars have been a little bit concerning when you look at their in-game offense and their inability to do it all right down the stretch of those games. And that was – you know, that was an issue last year in yep. playoff time. Yep. And I the year think, before. I think that there's been growth, though, in those in those areas. And I that's agree. What, that's all we can ask for because, again, it's not going to happen overnight. That's right. Um, but if you look back, the quality of teams that they're doing it now against that have that give us those clutch ratings that, that, that are, you know, tops in the league, they're not bad teams. They're just they're, – they're not – the Celtics or the Mavs right. in their plays either. Right. They're in they're kind of in the middle. They're not the Clippers the way the Clippers are coming right now with their personnel. Right. So last year and the year before you're talking about, you know, any end of game situation. Doesn't matter who they're playing. Right. It was just not good. Right. Now this year, when we're playing average teams and maybe subpar teams, our end of game situation, thank you mainly to Mike Conley, right. has been <laughs> ex- exceptional. Right. But now it's that end of game against championship cup, you know, caliber teams that are these players, right? Yeah, players. Yes, um, that is going to make or break whether or not how far they're going to make it this year. Because that I feel like is the next step. They're there. They're in every single game. They're not getting blown out. It's just as of late, they're 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 starting. Their all stars have been playing a little bit more mature because it ain't even talent wise. The, the the Wolves are still making shots. Right. They're just they're it's the turnovers. Things, the it's the rebounds. It's the little things. You know, can can you withstand the shot making of the superstars you're going up against? So they're getting better. Yes, they are. Uh, hope it never ends. Um, because of what's coming throughout the rest of the regular season, I'm going to start with not playing with their food. Wins against the bad teams, wins against teams missing key players, wins against overmatched teams. They have to continue that trend that they have set this entire season of not playing with their food. Um, they've been good against above 500 teams. They've been great against the bad teams. And, you know, if you have the easiest remaining schedule, the only way that actually plays to the easiest remaining schedule is if you do what you did to Portland's, if you do what you did to an undermat or to a um injured Orlando team, um go to Detroit and don't even play with them. Don't even give them a chance to think they can win. Uh don't let K go off for 40. Don't play with your food. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um the next uh trend that I hope never ends, which I know it will because that's just the nature of thing, but Carl Anthony Towns last five games. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, the last five games, has averaged 24.5 points, 8.5 rebounds, uh, four assists, a steal and a half. He's shooting only two turnovers. He's shooting 54% from the field, 50% from the three-point line, 92% from the free-throw line. More of that, please. Yep. I agree with that. <laughs> Can we get that for, like, a 20-game stretch? And, and again, Man. I've said it before and I'll say it again, it just seems like Ant and Cat – very rarely do they play like that together. It seems right. like Ant had, right. had five right. games. Ant had five games. Cat back and forth, back and forth. Rudy and Mike save us a couple times. It's like they still have not found that consistently day in and day out gelling system. That's at the same time, right? And when, and and 
That's what I'm saying. Over these games that are coming up, these these lower caliber teams, these are times where hopefully that offense starts to gel. They find it. To your point, the last five games, Ant is averaging 20 points a game, but he's also averaging, which is, what, six below his yep. season average, and he's averaging almost four turnovers a game. Yep. So to your point, it's like they keep seesawing, right? One's up, one's down, one's up, one's down, mm-hmm. um, and they just haven't been able to find, you know, that 20-game stretch where they're both rolling mm-hmm. at the same time. Dude, that's gonna be a that's a pretty sight. That, that that will be that will be a sight to behold. Um, and then the last hope it never ends is they are currently tied for first place with Oklahoma City. They've been in first place it seems like forever. I hope that they go on another hot stretch, and that what I hope never ends is the Timberwolves in first place. Can't disappoint. Can't 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 knock that. I agree with you. Thank you so much for listening to the Coach in the Culture podcast. That concludes our segment concerning trends and hope it never ends, which also concludes this week's program. Um, thank you to the Dream Shop and Markella for allowing us to convert her wonderful boutique into a podcast recording studio every other Sunday. Thank you to Lloyd Leon Coop, the super producer, making us look good, making us sound good. Thank you to all of you who have supported the Coach in the Culture podcast and continue to help us grow, continue to help us become better at what we do. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I hope you enjoyed the way we bring Timberwolves basketball analysis and breakdown to the Timberwolves podcast family. I am Coach Frank. That is Lance Gardner, owner of and proprietor of Yes Trees. If you need your trees serviced, just because it's winter does not mean that it can't be done. According to Lance, this is the best time to do it for some trees, especially for trimming, because the parasites are all like the rest of us frozen so uh tune in next sunday uh we'll have another uh podcast we'll be recording we'll be talking about the clippers game and the week that was at detroit uh memphis coming back into town here so again thank you for listening coaching the culture podcast peace, peace.